You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. I want to introduce my friend Christina to um, come up and speak to us tonight. We are, yeah, let's have it right away. <laughs> we've been um, we've been doing this series called "The End of Alienation" to like try and notice all the connections um, that we thank you that we have um, to each other in the world, to ourselves, to the environment. We're actually like, we often feel so disconnected, but we're actually way more connected through God than what we even know. And so we're kind of calling them out this season and specifically hearing from different voices among us who are calling people together and building bridges. And so we asked Christina to come and tell us why she started Affiliates Thrift, um, kind of her story of, of meeting Jesus. She's like, man, she's like a pillar in this community. If you, there's her neighbor, Joanne, shaking her head. Um, if you know her, you know that she's been um, building community among us. Um, she's a real friend. She'll tell you the truth, even with a, a little sarcasm in there. Um, but I'm glad she's willing to tell her story here tonight. <clears throat> Am I speaking into this? Um, public speaking is the worst thing in the world for me, so bear with me. And um, they say it's supposed to get easier the second time. I'm, I'm sweating so bad right now. I'm so <laughs> so nervous. So um, um, Rachel had asked me, um, you know, kind of talk about my story and talk about why I care about the LGBT community. And um, so I didn't want to do it, but here I am, okay. Um, and uh, I just didn't want to do it because of the public speaking, sorry. Um, so, um, okay, Josh.
pink triangle later becomes uh, uh, redeemed and uh, just a positive thing in the community. <clears throat> I just want to kind of go through <laughs> some pretty heavy um, things. Um, I just wanted to read some of the uh, acts of violence against the LGBT community. And, um, you know, obviously this is just such a tiny, tiny little portion of that, but, you know, Harvey Milk, um, openly gay San Francisco city supervisor, along with Mayor George Muscioni, were assassinated on uh, November 27th and 78 by political rival Dan White, um, a San Francisco city hall outrage over the assassinations and the short sentence given to White, he was only given seven years, prompted the uh, White Night Riots. Also, to let you know, I'm a little ADD, so I got to read my <laughs> my uh, speech. Um, U.S. Navy Petty Officer Alan Schindler was murdered by a shipmate who stomped him to death in a public restroom in Japan on October 27, 1992. Schindler had complained repeatedly about anti-gay harassment aboard ship. The case became synonymous with the gays in the military debate that had been brewing in the United States, culminating in the don't ask, don't tell bill. Brandon Tina, a trans man, was raped and later murdered in 1993 when his birth gender was revealed by police to male friends of his. The events leading to Tina's death were depicted in the movie Boys Don't Cry. Pretty heavy. Ernesto Soler, a trans woman born in 1967 and raised, sorry, in Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, in 1994, Ernesto was picked up one night by two men, <laughs> sorry, and driven to the top of a mountain to the city's landmark, the Pagoda, and was stabbed to death. Matthew Shepard, a gay student, was fatally attacked in Wyoming in, on October 7th, 98. Shepard was tortured, beaten severely, tied to a fence, and abandoned. He was found 18 hours after the attack and succumbed to his injuries less than a week later on October 12th. His attackers, Russell Arthur Henderson and Aaron McKinney, are both serving two consecutive life sentences in prison. 49 people killed and 53 injured in a shooting at Pulse Orlando Gay Nightclub, June 12th, 2016. In 2018, um, ACLU tracked at least 26 deaths of transgender people in the U.S. due to fatal violence, the majority of whom were black transgender women. These victims were killed by acquaintances, partners, and strangers some of whom have been arrested and charged, while others have yet to be identified. Some of these cases involve clear anti-transgender bias. Um, sadly, in 2019, um, you know, we've already seen at least 12 transgender people fatally shot or killed by other violent means. And I think uh, if you would read these people's names with me right now, Dana Martin, Jasmine Ware, Ashanti Carmen, Claire Legato, Malaysia Booker, Michelle Tamika Washington, who is an advocate here in Philadelphia, Paris Cameron, Chanel Lindsay, Chanel Skurlock, Zoe Spears, 
Brooklyn Lindsay, Denali, Barry Stuckey. Was just days ago. So, um, so now I'm going to transition <laughs> into um, a little bit of my story in my life. Um, there I am. Um, so I, uh, I grew up as a, an only child in the city of Reading, and um, my parents were both factory workers. Our family life, life was uh, less than ideal, I would say. Um, I survived childhood sexual, sexual abuse. Um, my father was uh, physically abusive um, to both my mother and I. Um, they, uh, they, they finally divorced when I was 11 years old, um, which left my mother having to work two jobs, which barely helped us make ends meet, um, half the time anyway. Um, so I think, um, you know, from an early age, I sort of have been, you know, <laughs> dealing with issues of feeling, you know, abandonment, uh, low self-esteem, feeling unlovable a general outcast. My mother there, um, God rest her soul, um, my mother uh, was friends with a gay couple, Chris and Kevin, who were my, that was my first introduction to gay folks. And um, they lived uh, in a suburban area a little bit away from us. Um, they had this nice little house and three dogs and they totally loved each other. Um, I was, uh, I was aware that, that gay po people weren't exactly accepted. I saw how they, um, how they chose very carefully who they came out to. Um, but I loved them very much and, uh, they were, they were like fathers to me and they, <laughs> sorry, I get so emotional. <laughs> and, um, they really gave our life some stability Oops, sorry. That, um, so I entered junior high and now I became friends with, um, you know, I met my first gay friends of my age and uh, Jason Silk and Ernesto Solar. That's Jason right there. Um, he was uh, talented, loved theater, singing, dancing, um, just uh, a really wonderful soul. Ernesto, um, who unfortunately I don't have the picture. Um, I search until five o'clock in the morning because I know I have this little picture of him. And, um, but I couldn't find that. And uh, he, um, they were um, this uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful person that had, you know, fiery red curly hair. Um, he was Puerto Rican with a fiery tongue <laughs> and, uh, his wit was sharp as a knife and, uh, he was just funny as hell. He was unashamedly gay and could verbally cut anyone down who had any opinions about it. Um, and as we, saw early on, um, you know, he, he was murdered in 94 and that was just awful. 
Jason <clears throat> also uh, died of AIDS in 1993. Now, uh, entering high school, my friends and I, um, straight and gay, are mainly angst-filled punks. Um, you know, we're artists, lovers of music. Um, how this collection of beautiful misfits ever um, found each other was a complete miracle because Reading, especially back in the 80s, was not an easy city to live in with these interests and, you know, the way we looked in our lifestyles. Um, my house is where all of our friends, all of my friends hung out. Uh, my mom fostered a home where everyone was welcome. Uh, she made it a safe place for people to feel accepted and loved. Um... Uh, some of my friends' parents rejected them once, you know, finding out that they were gay and kicked them out of their homes. My mother come on and she let them live with us until they could either reconcile or kind of get back on their feet again. Oops, sorry. <laughs> um, we found delight sneaking into gay bars um, as teenagers uh, on a regular basis, not to drink, that came later, uh, but just to dance and just to be the DJs, they played our music because nobody else would. And uh, our outrageous looks were kind of celebrated rather than, um, you know, inducing anger. We witnessed and experienced homophobic brutalities. Fag bashing was a, a favorite pastime for local jocks and haters. Um, we started seeing people around us getting sick. Uh, the gay plague grid AIDS had struck our community and there was so so little information it was very devastating um, I had no real belief in God uh, and after all the damaging and hypocritical things that I had witnessed I just really wanted nothing to do with anyone calling themselves a Christian um, it was all just a really sad joke to me there and now in 91 I moved to Philadelphia <laughs> uh, my friend George and I moved here and uh, we were free at last from all the closed-minded uh, people from home um, I quickly quickly found my people here uh, underground communities of people that were just like me um, many are now obviously lifelong friends um, I uh, I started volunteering at this uh, new place. Was, this was in the 90s on uh, South Street called Thrift for AIDS. And uh, it was heaven. I had worked at a Goodwill when I was a teenager, and now there was a thrift store that had a cause um, that I really connected to. We were there till late hours of the night, just, you know, until like 3 in the morning, just processing clothing, uh, getting this place going. And quickly I became one of the staff people there and uh, just really thrived with that work. Um, my uh, next job was working for the AIDS Information Network and then later the Safeguards uh, Gay Men's Health Project. Uh, these are the places where to this day I've met the most brilliant, um, compassionate people I've ever met in my life. Um, the real leaders, the people that started every organization that is known for HIV or LGBTQ folks, um, you know, they were creating change, creating community. Um, 
whether it was staff or volunteers, they had a mission and it was saving lives. Um, and it was also during this time that uh, I was introduced to ACT UP and I started attending the demonstrations and felt really alive. Josh, do you want to say that? Plague! We are in the middle of a plague! 40 million infected people is a plague! AIDS is now the leading cause of death. Demonstrators blocked access to buildings. Coalition of gay groups came to shut down the FDA. This government has the resources to deal with the AIDS epidemic and they won't do it unless we force them. We want everybody to join us. We are trying to arouse to anger and action. Until we get our acts together, we are as good as dead. I started to look for treatments to help save our life. I wish they'd shut their mouths and get their mentality out of their crotches. There was nothing coming out of our government's efforts. But no, they march in the streets. They defy you. I decided to become a full-time AIDS activist. They all had to become scientists to some degree. We can take a drug, your test tube, to the market in under two years. This total reluctance on your part is going to get you nowhere. It'll end up killing us. The death rate just kept on climbing. It became very clear that you weren't going to mess with these people. I am going to fight them. My patients are going to fight them. And you goddamn welcome. We need our government to save our lives. This isn't going to be cured for years and years and years. I'm going to die from this. Someday, there will be a people alive on this earth who will hear the story that once it was a terrible disease and that a brave group of people stood up and fought and in some cases died so that others might live and be free. Yeah, so those were uh, being able to participate in, in those demonstrations. That was just so wonderful, like uh, being able to put stickers on cop cars, <laughs> you know, just kind of acting up was um, wonderful. And, you know, um, but again, you know, more friends were contracting the virus, uh, wasting away, being shunned by their good Christian families and uh, literally dying in front of me. Sorry, kids. Uh, <laughs> that's me. Um, and uh, throughout these nonprofit years, um, I'd always had side work in the S&M community. And, uh, and then in 99, I started my own S&M business. I was a dominatrix, and, you know, I... Um, met a lot of people <laughs> and uh, a lot of people that uh, you know were really great but I think you know they were really searching for something deeper um, and I was sort of living like this false sense of power I think and I made a lot of money <laughs> a lot of money 
It was, that was the sin. That was a lot of money. But then uh, a few years later is when I um, felt that strong pull, um, gentle but strong pull from God, and, um, you know, silently yet deeply letting me know that I'm here. And uh, I spent some time trying to fight that, but um, it would not leave me alone, and it only grew stronger. And I remember feeling as though I was going to absolutely burst the night that I shouted out Jesus in total surrender. <laughs> and um, so I remember when I came out <laughs> as a Christian to all my friends then, and um and it was pretty intense. And um, so a lot of people were freaked out because <laughs> this was the complete opposite of who I was. Um, of course, you know, some friends were wary, wondering if I would all of a sudden reject them. Um, you know, the number one question was, well, what do you think about homosexuality? <laughs> and... Um, I had to, uh, I had to put that on the back burner a little bit or else I would have never moved forward, but I prayed a lot and, um, and I, I still feel the same way, you know, I love them. I, I, there's nothing, you know, I'm not going to get all theological about, you know, specific words and passages and all that. Um, I just know that Jesus did not save me from death. To, to reject, you know, the very people who are my family. To reject the oppressed, to reject the outcasts, because they are me. <clears throat> and um, so I, I still continued to do that work for a year while I was a Christian. <laughs> And, um, my, my, uh, yes and um stuff. But, uh, but then like about a year later, I, I quit that business. I, you know, had, you know, there was a one moment where I had, you know, one of the people were, you know, on the floor <laughs> worshiping me. And I was like, wow, it's like, he's praying. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, I don't really want to. I don't really want to be that thing. I mean, no judgment on him. I'm just like, I don't want to be that thing in his life. You know, I just don't. And um, so I, a friend of mine called and said, hey, you want to start a thrift store? And I was like, all right. So <laughs> we uh, we put together Philly AIDS Thrift and uh, with uh, three friends, three wonderful gay men. And... Uh, you know, Tom and I, my partner there, uh, you know, we were just, we just were pricing clothing and there was no heat and we were making no money and we were very lonely. And now it's awesome. Uh, it's, uh, you know, almost 14 years later and we've given over $2.5 million to like dozens of HIV organizations. And, um, I think that we've successfully created that same space, that same safe space. Um, you know, like my mom had created at home uh, for those 
to be who they are, um, all the while being accepted, affirmed, and loved. I think that, you know, God keeps leading me and introducing me to the most wonderful people I've ever met. And uh, I'm now seeing people through the eyes of Christ, and I don't think I've ever loved so deeply before in my life. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.